As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. Uh, I'm Zach Jackson. We are counting you down to Sunday, 1 p.m. Browns back in action hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, the first place Philadelphia Eagles who are really struggling, uh, but sitting atop the worst division in football, the worst division in anyone's memory, really. Um, You know, the Browns are healthy. The Browns are coming off a win. We hope they get to play. Um, This week started with the Browns placing fullback Andy Janovich on the COVID list. presumably due to a positive test. If you do the math on that, we don't get into the details unless a player himself confirms it. That's our policy here. Uh, But three more players on Wednesday. Jack Conklin, kicker Cody Parkey, long snapper Charlie Hewlett. Um, It is believed that they go on the reserve list due to close contacts. Um, That being the case, as long as they test negative, uh, over a period of four to five days, those guys should be able to play on Sunday. But all we know now is Kevin Stefanski declining um, to s- discuss specifics. Tuesday is the player's day off for the Browns. Wednesday afternoon, they're back on the practice field. That's going on right now as we record this. But Jack Conklin, Cody Parkey, and Jack uh, and Charlie Hewlett are not there. So um, I go back to the very first week of training camp watching Steven Carlson uh, the, the fourth tight end on this team takes snaps uh, as a long snapper after practice, just in case basis. They've kept two kickers around, one on the practice squad all year long, just in case. So um, it's the strangest year ever. We don't know what an hour from now will bring or, you know, what three days from now when the Browns are supposed to play the Eagles will bring. You hope to have your guys. Obviously, Jack Conklin has, has been very valuable. He's part of an offensive line that you know just got whole again last week that's vital to this team's success that's playing very well the browns have invested a bunch of money and resources into that o-line and that o-line is playing well they need jack conklin Um, and again the guy who replaced conklin in the one game he was injured chris hubbard he's also on the COVID list so um first i want to say you know the browns had no cases in their building for a long long time from the start of training camp until the bye week and, and that is kudos to the NFL's protocols, but to everything the Browns did to space out the locker room, to make sure everything was sanitized, to, you know, to limit exposures 
to guys coming and going, you know, keeping it to the NFL's tier one, 125 people and doing all that. But the fact is the numbers are outrageous in the city of Cleveland. There were so many the other day that the city did not even announce a real number. Um, we're, you know, at cold and flu season. We are at week 11 of the NFL calendar. And it's there. Um, it's here. It's there. And, you know, we'll just see. So, um, you know, these are contingency plans. Again, I think the Browns hope to have – plan to have these guys. But Kendall Lamb would be the right tackle. Either Steven Carlson or Mac Wilson, according to Kevin Stefanski, would be the long snapper. And Matt McCrane, who was kicking in the XFL, uh, has kicked in the NFL. He's your practice squad kicker. You would be able to activate him. Otherwise, the Browns are healthy. Miles Garrett, um, not with his teammates at practice because he has an Ill- illness that no one believes is related to COVID. But you know that brings in its own set of protocols. And, of course, the caution you have to exercise during this time where you just say stay away. Um, Miles Garrett doesn't need to practice right now anyway. He's, he's pretty locked in. The Browns have won six games. He's made a game-changing play in all six of them. You know, I don't know that he will be or can be defensive player of the year. That doesn't matter. Um, the Browns need him to keep wrecking things. You know, the he's five sacks away from the franchise single season record. That seems obvious, but you know, just going back to that goal line stand the other day, um, they didn't fool him. They tried to block him. They couldn't do it. He closes. He he has taken his game to that next level, and it's pretty scary. Uh, he's a talented dude who is refocused and has hit that next level. And he's just a lot of fun to watch. And talk about smart decisions made by this organization, getting him wrapped up before this year, you know, before Joey Bosa get a tiny bit of discount there. But just just committing to Miles Garrett saying, hey, we know what last year happened, but we trust in you that you're ready to move on and be better than ever. And he has. And can he be better than this? I don't know. But this is pretty darn good. It's pretty special to watch each week. I really like I – mean, I have questions about the defense, and so should you all because it's still – Um, is really bad in the back seven in most of the areas. But one of the things I really like is Miles Garrett playing both sides. You know, giving that defense different looks. You know, or that offense, excuse me. You know that offense, that quarterback, that play caller, that center, both tackles. You know, every time they break that huddle, they're looking for 95. So moving him around, um, making different guys block him, different groups double team him, making him account for him in different ways. is just something that, that helps the Browns. And so, you know, the defensive numbers are good. Uh, because they've played the last couple in the wind. Um, You know, the scheduling gods continue to smile on the Browns. You don't apologize for that. You're grateful for that. The Texans are not very good, and they're not built to run the ball between the tackles. They're not good to tackle running backs. Um, I thought the Browns were in command of that game for most of it, but it's still got a little hairy. It's always going to be hairy against Deshaun Watson. Uh, You always worry in the fourth quarter, you know, when the weather has taken out the passing game and the kicking game. But they did it, and this Browns offense um, with Nick Chubb and with Wyatt Teller is a different offense. It, speaking of different levels, it can hit. Kareem Hunt, fresh, hungry, ran uh, with purpose as he always does, looked looked good. And, you know, we're going to get to some questions here, uh, some Asking Jackson questions that I have asked from the Twitter audience, but just perusing a couple in the comments this morning. Can they both go to 1,000 yards? Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, they can. The run's going to drive everything. And you know, the forecast is better for this week, and then they go to Jacksonville. It's, so th- those are positives, too, because you, you want to be able to play, even if you have to get yourself back in a 37-34 type of game. Um, you don't want to have to play that way. But, 
you know, I, I frankly, I think the weather helps the Browns defense when they don't have to go deep in their secondary uh, and the offense certainly taking away temptation to do anything other than feed those backs and get cute. I, I'm not, you know, I'm just not for that. Um, feed them. I, of course you have to pass. Of course you have to do things other than run off tackle or, um, you know, run the same power play where you get Teller and Batonio out there. But the run game does drive everything, has to drive everything for this team. And, um, you know, it's been fun to watch. The, the Browns have, have been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch Chubb and Garrett hit that next gear. Um, you have a coach with brains and with poise. Um, you have a staff that's just getting to know the team and vice versa. And so, you know, we, the one thing we don't know right now, obviously, bigger picture, we're judging the quarterback and we're judging the Browns against the Ravens and the Steelers down the stretch. But, you know, we don't know this offense without Odell Beckham because it's been two games. Uh, both have been played in 40-mile-an-hour wins where the pass game is only necessary. Um, times, you heard Kevin Stefanski say, the pass game just wasn't going to happen. So, um, you know, you've invested in that O-line and in those running backs, and you're going to invest in Nick Chubb to answer the question. I just I just think you have to. I just think he's too good. He's everything you want on and off the field. And um, he's a treat to watch run the football every Sunday. So, again, um, you know, the uncertainty of just – the COVID times lingers over everything. The Browns are one of nine NFL teams at six and three. Or one of six teams in the AFC at six and three. You know, the way it shakes out right now, they're on the outside looking in uh, of the playoffs. But with seven games left, you don't worry about tiebreakers. And really, you can't worry about scoreboard watching and all that. You handle your business. Um, the Eagles have some players. The Eagles were a Super Bowl team three seasons ago. This is not the same team. They're reeling. You have to win this game. Just like you had to beat Houston, and you did. Um, camp, come off the bye week, expect a sharp, focused, strong effort. You got it. Again, not perfect. Let your playmakers stand out. They stepped up when they needed to. The Browns won the game. Um, they got two more winnable games in front of them, which would take us to December, and the Browns being in a playoff race in December really for the first time in a long, long time. Because six years ago in 2014, the Browns were 6-3 and three at this point. Uh, but then they split the next two. And they lost their last five games to, to limp to seven and nine. And we know that it really went off the rails from there. But what I'm saying is in December, they were never really in it. They were a really bad football team. Uh, by the time December rolled around, you had the Johnny controversy and all that. We won't revisit that here. But this team, I think, is going to have winnable games and, you know, still landmarks, still evaluation games. Um, they play Tennessee. They play the Ravens at home on Monday night. What more can you ask for than that? The Ravens are struggling to find themselves right now offensively. They got some key defensive guys out, and the way to attack them right now and for the rest of the season might be to run it right at them 45 times. So we will see, uh, you know, how that all goes. Let's get to a few Asking Jackson questions here from Danny. Uh, Asking Jackson, with Carl Joseph, lack of snaps, and Ronnie Harrison playing well at strong safety. Anyway, they work in Joseph playing in the box, something similar when they play mobile Q QBs. Oh, I wouldn't close the book, Danny, on anything in this secondary. Last week we saw them rotate red wine in with Sandejo, which was frankly overdue. Um, Carl Joseph didn't play any defensive snaps last week, but you know those are not secondary games. Those are front seven games and non-passing games for the most part. So I wouldn't rule out this going anyway, and I certainly wouldn't rule out Carl Joseph who – 
you know, when he's been able to stay healthy uh, over the course of his career, has, has been a productive player. I, I can't rule out anyone helping you or needing to help you along the way. I mean, the big thing about the wind is you haven't had to go deeper in your secondary because you just can't. The Browns don't. They barely have three corners. So if you don't have to go any deeper than the third, then you're winning there. Um, question from Jeffrey, virtual question on COVID protocols. Do you have any detail on how practices are run via video? How much team time side of the ball group and position work are players required to have video on? Um, they're not practicing via video. On those days when it's closed, they're, they're just having meetings. I'm 100% confident of that. Um, basically, under the intensive protocols that the Browns have been under the last few weeks, it basically means that the morning meetings and the post-practice meetings take place. I don't know whether it's Teams or Zoom. I know the Browns were using Microsoft Teams a lot um, back in the spring. I, I don't know what it is now, but it's it's the standard stuff where the position group or the position coach and or the coordinator, and in some cases the head coach are in there. You're going over corrections. You're watching film. Um you, you know, you're probably not installing much, at least not a whole bunch at this time of the year, but you're really detailing, hey, you know, these are the six plays that we like for this week. Um, this is the look we expect, and we go over it. So it's strange you're not there. Um, but it's a meeting where the coach is instructing, the coach is highlighting and circling things, and the players are asking questions and making notes. You know, whether they're doing that digitally or writing in notebooks, you know, I don't know. Um, it's certainly strange for guys to wake up, log online, middle of the day, go to the facility, get a lift in, go to practice, immediately have to leave the facility. Um, that all is different, but it's it's a regular work day. And what's regular, what's normal, I don't know. We've we've asked Kevin Stefanski that a dozen times over. Um, this is just the world we live in, and, and the Browns are trying to to make it as normal as possible. So again, we we assume and we hope there's a game on Sunday. We hope they can stay healthy, stay safe, get everybody to the game. Um, do they have to call up fullback Johnny Stanton from the practice squad? We'll see. You know, do they have to go deeper at offensive tackle and go to their emergency kicker? We'll see. I think the anticipation right now is no. But um, again, we just we really don't know on all of that stuff. Um, Question, thoughts on the effects, if any, on the USA Today story about LSU. Yeah, so USA Today did um, an in-depth story on some um, sexual assault allegations that were apparently swept under the rug at LSU. Grant Delpit and Jacob Phillips were named um, in their – to my knowledge right now, it's nothing other than a report. I, I know the Browns have not had any official comment on it. So um, we will see how that goes, but that's definitely out there as of Monday. And I don't know anything more on that um, question. What's the latest on Greedy Williams? There is no update on Greedy Williams. Um, he has a nerve issue in his shoulder. It's problematic. Um, he has not been able to play. But Kevin Stefanski has been asked a couple of times, and there's just been no indication that he's ready to go or going to be ready to go. So we will see. Um, in the meantime, Terrence Mitchell continues to play. I think he's played mostly well. He's playing for a contract, um, and the Browns need him. You know, keeping Kevin Johnson healthy, given his history, has been key. I think he's played really well as the slot corner when called upon. Would they love to have Greedy Williams for his talent, um, for his overall growth, to have another body back there? Sure, but um, the latest is there is no latest, and I don't think there's any way you're counting on him because he hasn't done anything since August. So even now in a couple weeks, if they say, let's give it a go, and you hope, you know, you hope the feeling's back, you hope the nerve issue gets corrected. 
you know, I'm not sure what really his expectations would be for the rest of 2020. But again, you know, the key is the Browns having everybody ready and getting guys better in the secondary for if slash when they are called upon. There's a second Greedy Williams question. I mean, I understand, guys, because, you know, he is a starter on this team. Um, you know, I don't know what your expectations were for him to start with. Uh, and I know it's disappointing. Look, they didn't put him on IR to start the year because they thought that it was he was going to be back in week three and he was going to play. And, you know, now it's week 11. So that's all I can say is is read through that. Um, again, you look at the Eagles. Carson Wentz is struggling. They have struggled. They've been hurt. Um, I don't think they're going to have Zach Ertz. At least they didn't last week. Lane Johnson's been in and out of the lineup. The rookie receiver, Jalen Rieger, who's a real dangerous guy this week, assuming we play in, in passing conditions, um, you know, he's getting back. The defense is not very good to start with. So, um, you know, I think the Browns run. I think the Browns score enough to win. You know, can they frustrate Wentz? Can they cause some turnovers? We will see. Uh, but, you know, the Eagles need it for their own morale to get some breathing room uh, in their division, even though they're – Three, five, and one. <laughs> um, they are in first place, and we'll see. Uh, Miles Sanders, their starting running back, who's a gifted kid, he's missed probably half of the year too. Um, he's back now. So, um, when the Browns' defensive line plays well, guys, the Browns have a chance to win. And so, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, Olivier Vernon, they need to help Miles Garrett, um, Jordan Elliott, the rookie, Porter Gustin, further down. I mean. They need more from the pass rush, but they need more from the defensive line. Everything has to start there to help everything else, and we'll see. You know, Cody Parkey, he's been great. He has been really good. I know that it was as awkward and as ugly a start for the kicking position this summer as could be, but Parkey has really stabilized things. Um, so, anyway, uh, let's get more into the Eagles, more on the Browns from a national perspective. Um, I think you guys will enjoy Shiel, um, what he brings um, in terms of what he does every week with the numbers, his knowledge of the Eagles, and just you know talking to as many people around the league as he does in a given week, the number of games he watches in a week. I think he brings a real unique perspective, so I am excited to have him on. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, as promised, we go east. I bring in my colleague, Shio Kapadia. He is based in Philadelphia. He is a national NFL writer. He knows a lot about the Eagles, a lot about the league. And, Shio, we got a lot to talk about. Um, the Browns are relevant. The Browns are interesting. Um, you know, the Browns are still incomplete, right? I, I know you do the power rankings every week, and I saw it this morning. I think you published them on Tuesday. I haven't read them yet, so 
I'm not going to guess. I'm just going to open with this. Like, I think you could make a case that the Browns are in the high teens. I think you could make a case that the Browns are in the 20s because we just don't know. So where are the Browns in your most updated NFL power rankings? Yeah, they came in at 18. And the way I do them is I do like a subjective ranking just based on how good I think the teams are having watched them every week. And, you know, I like to look at the the data and the metrics and the film and it, like all these different things I try to combine and say, well, how good actually is this team? And so I do a ranking and then we have Ethan Douglas who works for uh, the athletic and he's like a big analytics head. And so he came up with this statistical model. And so he ranks the teams just based on his model. And so uh, I'm sure I've already like lost all of your listeners and confused <laughs> them, but basically oh, we take the average of what I see with my eyes what he sees with his model. And that's how I come up with the power rankings every week. So I had uh, 16, he had him at 19. And so you take the average and you look at it compared to the other teams and they came in at number 18. Well, I can assure you we haven't lost our listeners and I'll tell you why. (laughs) Because back in 2016, when the Browns decided they were going to go analytics and went with Sashi Brown, people said, all right, we're on board. This is going to work. And then it didn't work and everybody said, screw analytics, screw all that. That was a disaster. And now Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are in charge, and they're saying very much we embrace analytics. However, it's not everything we do. So people are listening. They're on board. And, and I think, you know, people have learned, um, and most of our listeners and readers are the diehards, right, that, that you can follow uh, the DVOA things. You can follow all that stuff. It gives you an idea. Um, it just comes down to what happens on Sundays. And with the Browns, with everything new, right, they've beaten some really bad teams. They've had some really bad showings. Um, against good teams, but they've won twice as many as they've lost. And I don't care how what numbers you go by. You watch Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett play football, and those guys are great. So I would just say this, Shield. I am more bullish on the Browns long-term than this year, but I think they're finally on to something. Do you agree with that assessment? I think so. Yeah. You know, Andrew Barry was here in Philadelphia and, uh, you know, I'm not going to act like I know him well, but I I have heard uh, good things about him. And I think what you said is accurate. You know, I I think at first people thought he was like this huge analytics guy. And then I had some people tell me, well, he's got like a scouting background also. And, you know, he, I think Ryan Grigson was like his mentor at one point and, you know, who is a really like football scouting film, like old school uh, type of guy. And so I, I think Barry is a good, or it seems like like on the surface, at least a good combination of someone who is wants to get the best ideas, whether that's from uh, the data, the film, uh, scouting personality, all these different types of things and to build a team. And so I think he'll take some ideas, you know, maybe like positional value type stuff or, um, you know, some other things you might see that Kevin Stefanski doing in game areas where you can really get an edge from the data, from the analytics, and then mix it with some of the other stuff that he's seen work. So I think they are on the right track. I mean, I mean, they, they've built the offensive lineup. It's been one of the best in the league. And I think what you mentioned there it really stands out with the Browns in, in that their best players are playing really well and kind of carrying them right now. You know, just looking at it uh, from my perspective, 
perspective, seeing uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like, all right, they know what they are on offense, and they're going to ride those two guys, and the run game is going to be kind of their calling card. And then defensively, you know, I did these kind of uh, preseason guides in the summer, like the pandemic hit, and I'm like, all right, how am I going to waste my time here in June and July? And so I did these deep dives on every team. And one thing I found with the Browns was that, like, it was really pronounced in the numbers how much of a dive their defense took last year once Miles Garrett got suspended. Like they went from mediocre to slightly above average average to one of the worst in the NFL. And so I think you're seeing this year with him back, with him playing as well as any defensive player in the NFL, you know, it, it's weird. You don't think a defense is like one or two guys can carry him, but when you have a guy who's that impactful playing defensive end, it really does help everyone else do their job. And so I think that's what you're seeing with the Browns on defense so far this year. Uh, Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, who's going to be defensive player of the year? Mm, that's a great question because I had Watt as my preseason pick and Donald, I feel like is having, uh, one of his best years ever, but uh, Garrett, Garrett is right there. You know, I feel like I would probably lead lean towards one of the other two guys only because, when it's close, I feel like you look at sort of team defense and where the team ranks or, or a lot of people who vote do. I don't vote. And so I feel like Donald might have the the edge up unless people are, you know, it was like when Michael Jordan was winning all those MVPs and people are like, all right, let, you know, let's give it to Carl Malone, give it to somebody mm-hmm. else. That could happen. There could be some Aaron Donald fatigue. Uh, I think I would give Donald a slight edge, but man, if Garrett can kind of, uh, it shouldn't be all about the sack numbers, but obviously people look at that. And so if he can kind of build a lead, which I think is possible in the second half of the season, uh, I think he's got a great shot. Yeah, I feel, I, I'm, I'm right with you there. I feel like the Browns would have to get to 11 or 12 wins for him to really have a chance to be those guys out just because they're more name brands right yeah no I, I think that's right and um you know certainly if people are just looking at defensive rankings those types of things too um you know those guys would probably get the edge but i, I don't think he's far off i mean i think if you're just looking at individual performance which is so hard to do uh defensively i, I think he's right there i don't know that any been, anyone's been more disruptive anyone's made more kind of game-changing plays than garrett this year yeah i mean he, he leads the sack race right now um, and he has, you know, set all sorts of milestones. He's chasing the franchise single season record, which he would have had last year. And he's, you know, one of the fastest ever to 40 some sacks. But the big thing is the Browns have won six games and he has made a game changing play in all six of them, a safety a strip sack, a goal line stand, something like that. And it's just like, that's a level of consistency that was missing, I think from his game. But it's also, I don't mean that as an insult, because that's just an astounding level of consistency. Every person on the other offense knows you got to block Miles first. They try, and they still can't do it. Yeah, you know, that that's a good point in his favor, because you look at the other guys, um, you know, in Aaron Donald, it's not like they're loaded defensively, but I, I think they're doing some different things with their scheme, and, you know, Leonard Floyd has played well for them. Uh, and certainly the Steelers with TJ Watt, like he's one of many very good front seven players for them. You look at the Browns and it's like you said, I mean, every team can just uh, look at the Browns on a Tuesday or whenever they're putting together their game plan and say, all right, we've got to block Miles Garrett. They've got some other players who might be able to do some damage, but you know, I don't think he's got kind of the supporting cast to help. Whereas if he had like a, a stud defensive tackle or another stud defensive end on that defense, um, you know, he, he would, be getting less attention and and the numbers would probably even more so be going through the roof right right um you look at the struggles uh, and the Cowboys have obviously had injuries too including to their most important player but 
the Ravens are struggling to find themselves right now. Um, offensive lines, if you have one, I think you're built to last, right? So in that regard, if the Browns can finally keep everybody together, uh, we'll see what happens at quarterback, right? But with these running backs and with this offensive line, I think that's the number one thing I point to um, for a positive future. Do you agree with that? There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I think a lot of, you know, if you have a Patrick Mahomes, then it's like, fine. All right. Mm. You know, you, you'll be able to figure it out. But I think a lot of these teams, you know, there might be 20 teams in the league where it's like, how can we put our quarterback in the best position to succeed? You know, and, and some, uh, some organizations say offensive line. Some would say pass catchers. You would obviously love to have both. Some might say, let's build on defense and not ask the quarterback to put up too many points. But certainly you can't go wrong mm. building the offensive line the way they have. I mean, I think certainly top five, it's certainly in the conversation, I think, for the best in the NFL, just looking at some of kind of the uh, advanced uh, metrics. You know, ESPN has that stat that they do called pass block win rate, where it's just like, how often did the offensive line uh, protect the quarterback for two and a half seconds? After that, it's like, you know, anything can happen. But two and a half seconds, that gives the quarterback enough time to at least do something and, and be free. And I think the, the Browns are second, uh, second in the NFL in that category. And so you see what they're doing with the run game. You see that number there with pass protection. And I think they've built that the right way. All right, one more big picture, Shiel, before we get to um... – this week's game in a little deeper into the Eagles. You know, the Browns are sitting on a bunch of cap space. They didn't make a trade deadline move. They're still a young team. You know, I think internally there's a real grasp on, hey, we are so glad we're winning and that shows progress, but we know we're not there, right? I guess what I want to talk to you about is nobody knows exactly what's going to happen with the cap, but it seems like it's going to reduce. Some teams are going to be squeezed. I mean, do you expect – the next move for the Browns to be to completely rebuild this defense with with you know either free agents or guys that get squeezed out for cap reasons at other teams and might it be a completely different defense a year from now well i think it's going to be interesting to see what formula they follow you know i've sort of argued that maybe the best way to build a team right now is to build a great offense and a mediocre defense, and that generally has been good enough to get you into a deep playoff run. And so if you look at it that way, I don't think they want to be looking too far into the future. You know, I feel like you look at 2021, you make some moves in the offseason, Baker Mayfield continues to kind of get comfortable in the system, and maybe he's even better next year. Like next year should be a a year where you really expect to make a deep playoff run. So uh, I think you're right. I, I think they didn't want to get stuck with bad contracts and not having a lot of flexibility. You're seeing some teams in that situation, like the Philadelphia Eagles, um, who don't have a lot of flexibility going into the offseason. And so I think there will be opportunities for teams like the Browns who can, you know, if some of those players become available, become cap casualties or teams want to get rid of them, then all of a sudden Andrew Barry can be um, pretty opportunistic. And, you know, maybe it it means adding another great pass rusher. Maybe it means adding a a difference maker in the secondary. They've got a a couple studs to build around there and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, but you certainly can add talent. And I I feel like, you know, they're in good position to be able to pounce on those opportunities and be a really good team in 2021. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, so I know the Eagles have had injuries, um, but I also know because I've seen a couple of their games that Carson Wentz has just not played well. Um, is there one thing you point to in his struggles or regression? You know, can we officially call it regression? Um, you know, just how do you sum up where he is right now and, and therefore where where the Eagles are? Yeah, I, I think a lot of Eagles fans look at 2017 and that was Wentz's second year and he was in the MVP conversation. They're 11-2 and two with him as a starter. He gets injured and Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl. And it, it felt like at that time, all right, this is going to be the guy for the next decade. He's going to be in the conversation for the you know best f- five quarterbacks in the NFL. Pro- probably similar to how Browns fans, you know, maybe to a lesser degree, but after Baker Mayfield's rookie year, they probably felt kind of... I completely of a, agree. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wrote a long piece on Wentz and somebody in the comments said, you know, you could have replaced Wentz with Mayfield here and um, everything would apply. And a lot of uh, Browns fans in the comments sort of felt the same way. And so that's where they were. And they were, they've been chasing that ever since. In 2018, 2019, he wasn't bad. You know, I would say it was probably around the 12th, 13th best quarterback in the NFL above average, but not great. But this year has been, there's been a floor with Carson Wentz that I did not think was going to be applicable, you know, after his first four seasons in the NFL. I mean, every statistical metric, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And I think, you know, you ask for one thing. I think the big thing is probably the turnovers. You know, he leads the NFL in turnovers. And so that was not something you saw specifically with the interceptions in previous years. And so he didn't have any turnovers last week. Um, You know, maybe he'll take care of the football. Maybe he'll get some better luck. We know that that kind of plays a role with the turnovers, but that's been kind of the thing with him. uh, That's really been an issue. And then on a deeper level, he's got accuracy issues. I don't think he's comfortable with the offense, which you can point to, um, you know, coaching issues with that, where he's not processing things quickly. He's holding on to the ball. And so uh, their passing game has just, been one of the worst in the entire league and uh that that's been really i think the number one reason for why they only have three wins so far well we know doug peterson a little bit here from um his 20 seasons ago he was emergency call up (laughs) here um at the end of his career and it was very clear it was over by the way um you would think the honeymoon's over there right i mean is his job on the line here the, the last two months of the season I think it depends on the floor. I mean, you know, as everyone knows, this is like a historically terrible division. And so there's a scenario where they win five, six games and actually win the NFC East. Like that is actually in play. It's And it's not some weird mathematical formula where 500 things need to happen like that. That could be what happens. And right. so, um, you know, that potentially it's I don't know if it should save you or not. But if you're uh, win the division and are in the playoffs, you know, who knows? Maybe you surprise and win a game like the, the Seahawks did years back when they won seven games and then won a playoff game. But if this thing really bottoms out, you know, if they lose to the Browns, their schedule after that gets even tougher. I think their next four teams have combined for 26 wins. And so if they really bottom out and it looks like they have no solutions, um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that they make a move in the offseason, whether it's coach. Uh, you know, co- coach would probably be the biggest move they would make because Wentz is under contract. Uh, Howie Roseman, their GM, has survived a, a lot of different regimes and is sort of been the owner's right-hand man. And so if they're going to make a big move after what would be a terrible season, 
I think coaching would be most likely, but there's also the possibility that they say this was a year that just everything went against us. This guy won a Super Bowl a few years ago. He's been in the playoffs, um, you know, for three straight years prior to this year, and we're going to run it back. So it's really hard to tell, but I think there's a lot at stake here in the final uh, six, seven weeks. Uh, it's early Wednesday afternoon as we record this. And so just about 45 minutes ago, uh, we had the standard Kevin Stefanski Zoom. But right before that started, the Browns put out the news that we talked about earlier with more guys going on COVID list. And it's not believed they test positives. They were just close contacts. And anyway, Sheila, I'm sitting here. I'm getting prepared for that and getting my other computer set so we can you know, jump on and do this. And you know, this comes. So I'm doing three things at once. And I, I hear Stefanski say, because I'm typing, you know, the Eagles are a first place team. And I just, I, for the first time all day, I laughed, right? So <laughs> it's it's what coaches have to say. But I mean, in that regard, as far as getting things turned around, I mean, this, the way they're reeling, this is a huge, huge game for them. It is. There, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they've got the the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Saints, and the Packers, I think, are their four games after the Browns. And so, I mean, this is a team that struggled to beat the Cowboys with Ben Tanucci a few weeks ago. It's a team that got shredded by Daniel Jones when the Eagles were coming off their bye and, you know, were the more well-rested team and maybe should have figured some things out. Uh, they, they lost that game by double digits. And so this is not a good team. Now, I will say, like, there is a ceiling with Carson Wentz that we saw in 2017 and even a level that we saw in 18 and 19 where he's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. And so if you sort of believe in the back of the baseball card theory that uh, a quarterback is going to kind of kind of come back to his career averages eventually, then you would think he would be able to play better in the final stretch here and that that could at least get them, uh, you know, to win the NFC East given the, the quarterback situation with the other teams in the division. But man, I swear I've been quoting that line for like seven weeks now and it hasn't happened. So yeah. uh, until it happens, I should probably lock it away and just wait. But that's kind of their one hope. Right. Well, so Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt a month ago, but the Browns have not played any game that's a fair evaluation point since then because they've played two and they were both in 30 to 50 mile an hour wins where the passing game and the kicking game, specifically the passing game, were just greatly affected. And then last game, they got Nick Chubb back, they got Wyatt Teller back, and they got back to who they are. But at some point, they're going to have to throw it, right? So there's some rain in the forecast and some wind for Sunday. Uh, and again, we're still, you know, four full days out. Uh, but you, I guess I would say you can't think it's going to be anywhere near as bad as it's been. I know one of the areas the Eagles have struggled has been in the secondary. So assuming we get regular human weather or something resembling it, um, you know, can Baker and can Carson Wentz use this uh, as a game to kind of, to kind of get themselves uh, back rolling a little bit? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the two offenses sort of attack the other defense, which I think most would agree that the defenses are uh, pretty mediocre. And so with the Eagles, what's interesting about this matchup is that their linebackers are terrible. And so we know the Browns like to play with uh, 12 personnel and 13 personnel and 22 personnel and really keep teams uh, in their base defense. And the Eagles base defense with three linebackers on the field, I mean, they've got two undrafted free agents and Duke Riley, who was sort of a cast off from the Atlanta Falcons. And so they're 
there are ways I'm sure Kevin Stefanski and, and the Browns coaches are saying this is a, an area where real, we can really take advantage of with our running backs in the passing game, with getting those linebackers to bite in play action, which obviously is a staple of the Browns offense of using our multiple tight ends to get matched up against those linebackers. I think more so than the secondary, uh, the matchup to watch is going to be those tight ends and running backs against the Eagles linebackers. And then, you know, you, you sort of flip it around and the Eagles, of course, like every team have to have a plan for uh, blocking Miles Garrett. But I, I think when you look at how are they going to attack the Browns defense, it's tough. I mean, they, the Eagles have not had an identi- identity with their offense all year. So I can't come in here and tell you this is what the Eagles are going to do. This is their identity as easily as I can with the Browns. But the one area that I look at is that I think I was looking at sort of the Browns efficiency rankings against running backs in coverage, and they were near the bottom of the league. And so Miles Sanders is a player to watch in this game. You know, he's had, I would say, um, a somewhat disappointing year this season, specifically as a pass catcher. I mean, I mean, Carson Wentz is averaging 3.4 yards per attempt when targeting Miles Sanders, which is like the worst mark of any quarterback pass catcher in the league. But last year, Sanders was terrific. I mean, they found all different ways to kind of get him matched up against linebackers and be a big weapon in the passing game. So if I'm the Eagles and Doug Peterson, I'm going back to that 2019 film and saying, how did we get Sanders involved? Because I think that's an area they can take advantage of with the Browns. Sheila, I hear you say the Eagles linebackers are awful, and I say that sounds familiar. So, <laughs> yeah. um, is that is that really like a um, a building thing, like Howie Roseman and Andrew Barry being tied, like just just spend money at other positions? It definitely is for the Eagles, and it wouldn't surprise me if it is for Andrew Barry. But here's the thing, and we talk about this with running backs too. It's not that you want to have bad players at those positions. You know, I think the argument gets sort of misconstrued. It's that you don't want to invest a ton of resources into those positions. And so I think there are smart people, and you know, I don't necessarily disagree with this, that feel like off-ball linebacker, uh, you know, you can find those guys maybe on day three of the draft, or you can find those guys for inexpensive contracts in free agency, or you can use your scouting and gain an edge there. And But the problem is, like, you need to do that. I mean, it's a fine philosophy right. to have, but then if you, you know, if you're lining up and playing and your coaches are saying, these guys are getting crushed and it's really changing our game plan and changing our performance, then you're in trouble. But uh, I don't think it's a bad philosophy. We've seen other teams in the NFL, you know, have, have kind of success with that philosophy, but the Eagles have not had success with it recently. Uh, the Browns, have, you know, I, I know Barry just got there, have not had success with it. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Barry follows that same sort of blueprint, but um, you still have to kind of lean on your scouting and make sure you find guys who can play. Yeah, I mean, I would just say that here, given the Browns history, any philosophy is progress, right? As long as you're going <laughs> to stick with it. But like you play in the AFC North. You know, right. Um, That's true. Lamar's reeling, but he's not going anywhere for a while. Right. Um, you know what you're up against. And, and and this is interesting. The last two wind games. I mean, the, the Browns just played really poorly and won, but it almost plays into their strengths. It, it really does. Um, it minimizes the game plan. Uh, she, I'm gonna let you go. But but one last thing. I like I like your back of the baseball card theory, because, you know, we know what's up with Baker Mayfield and that the Browns have changed on him. Right. That. We know the decision's coming, and no one thinks he's great, but everybody wants to be fair. And there was that outstanding rookie season, that two-month stretch. And then there was last year, right? <laughs> and then this year, he's he's they've won. He's been okay. He's certainly, outside of the Bengals, has not, not been tremendous. Um, you know, if 
I guess I want to ask you two things. You know, what's your read on it, and, and what's kind of the league read on it? Like, if the answer two, three months from now is that he's okay, you know, do the Browns pick up that option, or do they at least explore other options? You're talking about the fifth year option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. It's it's a it's a really tough question because, uh, like like I sort of said, it, you know, a few minutes ago, if you have a guy like uh, Patrick Mahomes or um, Russell Wilson, you know, there are probably like four or five guys mm-hmm. we can throw into that conversation where it's really easy. You know, you're going to pay a crazy amount of money. It's going to tie up your cap. You're not going to have as much flexibility, but guess what? It, it doesn't matter. It's the no brainer move. That quarterback's going to make everyone better. They're going to lift up the offensive line, the pass catchers. They're going to make life easier on the defense. It's a really easy decision, but I feel like right now in the NFL, there's a next group of like 15 to 20 guys where the decision's a lot harder because you, you know, if you ask the Rams, would they have done that Jared Goff contract again? you know, probably say no, you know, you could probably find a veteran, um, who, who would help you. And there are other guys like this, Kirk cousins. And, um, you know, there's kind of this Jimmy Garoppolo you could throw into that mix. And so, uh, with the Browns, you know, in terms of picking up the fifth year option, I think that's, probably a a move you would want to make. I think that the difficult move obviously is going to be, is this the guy you're going to sign long-term and sink big money into? Because I do think you're seeing teams, if they get that guy who's sort of fine, but not great, you know, maybe he's around the 10th to 15th best quarterback, but you're paying him a crazy amount of money. Well, building the rest of your roster is going to get tough in that situation. And so are you better off um, exploring other options? You know, are you better off taking a few swings at quarterback? We know you need one to be successful, but at the same time, you look at the league right now, like there's not a lot of zeros at starting quarterback. You know, most teams, I would say uh, two thirds of the league, maybe more than that, at least has competency at the quarterback position. So it's kind of easier to find now than it's been uh, a long time ago. So, uh, you know, they're, they're in luck where they can continue to gather information, see how the rest of this season goes. You know, even if you pick up the option, you're buying yourself uh, time there. Uh, so I think the smart thing to do is continue to gather information and don't kind of jump into it where all of a sudden uh, two years from now you're saying there's nothing we can do about it we're kind of stuck with this guy he's making uh, 30 million dollars a year we can't build other parts of our roster and now we're in a bad situation as a franchise yeah I mean I agree that, that the jury's out um, I agree that the, if you feel like you can win he's certainly not terrible um, I don't believe you can win big prizes with him but the, the, the building of the roster is not done um one last question, kind of a league perception thing. Say say a guy presented himself, a Stafford, a Ryan, a Rodgers. I'm not saying any of those are realistic, and the Browns could make a move in the offseason. Would there be a market? I mean, are there teams that would consider Baker Mayfield an upgrade for them right now? I think so. Yeah, no, I, I think given his age and you see so many of these uh, scouts and personnel people, I mean, they lean on what they thought of a player during the draft. And, you know, like like organizations can be really arrogant where they'll say, well, yeah, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't great in Cleveland, but man, in our scheme, with our coaching staff, with right. our, you know, oh man, he's going to be an all pro. I mean, you see it all the time. They talk themselves into that. Sometimes they're right. A lot of times uh, they're wrong, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think he's viewed probably as a um, right now. I think his performance is sort of mediocre starting caliber quarterback, mm-hmm. but I do, I do think teams would see that ceiling given his age, given his skill set. Like there's not a lot of things, you know, he's limited by uh, athletically or that, you know, you would look at a quarterback and say he's limited by this. Um, you know, there's just been some, 
interceptions, sacks last year, those negative plays, he's cut down on them a little bit this year. And, and to me, this year, they've really tried to protect him, which I think has been smart. I mean, they've been one of the most run-heavy teams uh, in the league. They're trying to help him out, which I think has been a good strategy. But I think as the season goes on, if they make the playoffs, you know, there's going to be some bigger games where, like you said earlier, you're going to need more from right. the passing game. You're going to need to lean more on him. And I think those are the situations where, where you'll be able to find out more about him. Well, it's a big game Sunday, and right now we're assuming it's on for Sunday at 1 o'clock. Uh, we just don't know in 2020. I think um, we've had a great guest here. I hope you've learned something. Thank you guys for listening. Shio Kapadia, thanks for joining us. Again, Civilized Barking, guys. Um, hopefully we'll be doing this again Sunday after the game. If there's breaking news, we might be back. Continue to read, continue to click, subscribe, share, do all of that stuff. Thank you guys for listening. And if all goes well, uh, the next podcast will be after the game Sunday evening slash afternoon. Talk to you then.